You're listening to Radio Influence. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close, if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Oh, it's here. It's here, and we cannot wait for it all to unfold. The mayhem, the upsets, the craziness as March is well underway, and so too is about to be the 2018 NCAA basketball tournament. They also know it call it as March Madness, and we're ready to sift through uh, all of it here on Three Dog Thursday, the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to underdogs, now in college basketball all the way through the Final Four. I cannot do this show alone. No, we've got some great help today, including my guy, senior handicapper from VegasInsider.com. Love the insight of Kevin Rogers. Are you ready, pumped for 32 games coming Thursday and Friday? Good gracious. Well, I mean, if last week wasn't enough with all the conference tournaments, now we got more coming up this week with the real tournament. And, uh, yeah, it's always very exciting. And, you know, you just hope for some upsets and you hope for, you know, some good matchups as we go through and, and not just a bunch of duds. That's kind of all you really hope for with this whole thing. Yeah, and we know the upsets are coming. We're just trying to peg where, so that's what we're going to do with the underdog predictions. We should back up to the end of last weekend. You and I actually went at it with the premise of a non-first or second-seeded team that could make a run in their conference tournament, get to the title game, if not win it. Kudos to Kevin, who had not one but two of his come through, with West Virginia making the Big 12 title game as a three-seed, and then uh, they eventually lost to Kansas. No shame in that in the home-away-from-home game. Uh, there in the Sprint Center in Kansas City in the Big 12 tournament. But you and I both latched on to North Carolina, which won three games in three days to get to the ACC championship game before falling to Virginia. So you were two for three. I was one for three with the tournaments this weekend. Do you have an overall thought could be on anything, on how the conference tournament shook out and some of the games and some of the winners? Anything uh, come to mind and jump out coming off of last weekend? Well, for the exception of, I guess, Davidson, who won the Atlantic 10, everyone else, you know, deserved or should be in the tournament. So you really didn't have a lot of bids getting stolen by teams that should not have been in the tournament. I mean, when you look at Virginia and Villanova and Arizona, all of them would be in anyway by winning their conference tournament. And if they would have lost, they would have been in, in regardless as not large. But, you know, a lot of these bubble teams – I really don't think have complaints. You know, it always goes back to the old, you know, should should Middle Tennessee go in over Florida State? You know, should the seventh team in the ACC be better than the first team in Conference USA? It's a very hard argument, you know, because, you know, people will say, oh, well, look how hard their schedule is. Well, yeah, everyone's schedule is tough in the ACC because they're all playing each other, you know, and I really believe that they should try to get some bids out for some of those mid-majors that have terrific records, let's see what they can do. You know, Florida State and some of these other teams in the middle of their conference, they had their chances in conference play, and they couldn't do it. That's why Louisville got left out, and USC got left out, even though the conspiracy mm. theory is some of those schools got left out because of the NCAA investigation. It's kind of easy to be like, okay, you guys just you know, go off the side. You know, I mean, Arizona, you can't kick out, but these other ones, Oklahoma State, 
well, you beat Kansas twice, but because of the stuff, you know, from, from the FBI, you know what, we're going to keep you on the sideline. So, you know what, again, if you're a bubble team, it just always goes back to this. You should never been on the bubble. You should have had better wins during the season, but and you wouldn't have to worry about it. The one team I will hone in on is exactly who you're talking about, Middle Tennessee, uh, which we were in on at the end of the regular season. And, and look, they lost on the last regular season Saturday. They rested some players, actually, and lost at home to Marshall. Marshall ends up winning the automatic bid. The bigger loss was to, to Southern Miss losing in the quarterfinal round of the conference tournament in Dallas. Dallas with Southern Miss with a 15 and 17 record when they beat them that hurts here's the thing they went and scheduled some people out of the conference and I understand Kermit Davis and Middle Tennessee's argument which is we went and tried to schedule people we did exactly what you said we should do they go play Murray State in the opening game at Murray State and beat them true road game and Murray State's in the NCAA tournament as the Ohio Valley champs they schedule Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt in Nashville and beat them it turns out Vanderbilt's terrible but they went and scheduled them they scheduled Ole Miss they turned out to be bad that's an SEC Power 5 team. They beat them. They got them to, to play them. They played Auburn on a neutral floor. They went and played USC in Miami. As you know, Kevin, you're part of the Canes uh, radio broadcast. They played them in Hawaii. They played a tough schedule. What, unfortunately, I think it says now to these mid-major teams, it's not, it's not worth it to go play a tough schedule and take two or three losses because if they're going to say to you that you took two or three losses to all the big teams, well, then why go play five or six of them? Maybe go play one of them maybe only two of them if that's the case because clearly that's what middle tennessee was trying to do and i don't know if you're aware of this number but i think this is a very compelling number uh, over the course of the last three years the selection committees and some of the members have rotated off last year and this year but those three selection committees for 2016 2017 and 2018 only put nine nine at-large teams in as mid-majors, non-Power non 5, 9. Previously, there was a sample study from 2012 to 2014. I hope I don't lose everybody with the numbers. Three-year sample, non-majors, non non-Power 5. They put 28 teams, Kevin, in the tournament in that three-year span. To go from 28 to 9... I know every year is different, but that almost seems like they're de-emphasizing the mid-major conferences at, as at-large teams and not giving them the same benefit of the doubt that maybe they should be. What do you make of all those stats? I mean, that's that. I mean, that's three times less in a three-year period, less and less of the mid-major teams giving being given at-large consideration. What do you think? Well, I want to go back to Middle Tennessee for one quick moment. It's not Middle Tennessee's fault that Vanderbilt and Ole Miss were bad this year. Right. You know, it's kind of like the football yeah. argument that oh, we scheduled Michigan State five years in advance, and this year they're four and eight. Like, you know, what do you want from us? Like, this is who we scheduled, and you know, it goes on the flip side too. If you end up scheduling somebody that's not great, and they end up having a good year, then all of a sudden you look like a genius for having this team, you know, on the schedule. But uh, you know, back to the other point about the mid majors dropping and the at larges. I mean, if you really think about it, you know, the teams that would take those would be like a Wichita State. But Wichita State, I feel like every year wins the, or when they were in the Missouri Valley, yeah. they would get the automatic bid. So it didn't matter. You know, you really didn't have a lot of at-larges that came out of there. I think maybe Northern Iowa could have come out of there one time when they beat Kansas. I don't remember if they won the Missouri Valley that year or not. But, you know, I guess we are looking at Conference USA and Missouri Valley and Mountain, Mountain West, Mountain West, right? Atlantic but, but 10, also with, right, right. But, all, but also, 
just to go back to the point, just maybe to steal a little bit here, that with Conference USA, I don't know the teams in front of me, but I'm going to assume this is pre-American. So you had teams from that conference that are decent programs that made it through Conference USA. And then when they moved to the American, now the American is known as more of like, a yeah. ma- is, are they right a major conference? Right, and, and, and I understand what you're saying because when you lose two or three teams that step up to a different conference two or three or four years later, those are teams that might have gotten a different bid. But like you pointed out, I mean, the Atlantic 10 has Rhode Island as the champ. St. Bonaventure had to get into the playoff game, and Davidson was in no way, shape, or form going to get in the tournament until they won the automatic bid. It was very likely that the Atlantic 10 was only going to get two teams out of the 10 that was in. Until San Diego State won the Mountain West, they were possibly only going to get Nevada, the one team out of their conference. And I think that's where... Some would say there should be more consideration given because when you're watching Wichita State make a run to the Final Four and Virginia Commonwealth, who was put in at large, played in the first four, make a run to the Final Four. George Mason was put in now 12 years ago at large, made a run to the Final Four. If you give them the chance on their body of work, it can work out. It doesn't always work out. I just I just thought that was interesting in reading those numbers. Pete Thamel from uh, Yahoo Sports did a long article on that midweek about the drastic fewer number of mid-major at-large teams that are there, we'll see. We'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, with the upsets and, and with this year. And I, I think you know, you and I are going to hone in on a couple of them. You're going to see some of those mid-major teams go in against the big boys and be able to pull off outright wins. It happens every year in this tournament. All right, so that's going to begin things. Let's do that. Uh, with you going first, here's our criteria. You and I are going to go with underdog upsets. And the one thing I said to Kevin is we're not going to worry about the 8-9 game. It's not really that much of an upset. They have to be at least a double-digit seed. So that's our criteria for Thursday and Friday. Later on in the show, Kevin and I will take a double-digit seed that can advance to the round of 32, can advance out of the weekend. Stand by for that later. Where do you want to begin with a double-digit seed simply to cover, if not to win in the NCAA tournament? Go ahead, Kevin. All right. I'm going to start off with St. Bonaventure. They beat UCLA in the first four, and I understand that UCLA had tough travel. It was fast to get to Dayton. You know, St. Bonaventure deal with the same thing. So, you know, for teams that say, oh, we got to deal with all this, well, two teams have to deal with it. And I, you know... VCU, you just mentioned them, that they were in the first four, and then they went, and I believe they went to Chicago, if I'm not mistaken, and they beat Georgetown and someone else. They beat they Georgetown and Purdue. Game. Good memory, yes. They beat them right. both, yes. Okay. With Chaka Smart when he was the coach there. And I believe there's a little bit of momentum. I, I really do, that these guys are, are, are jacked up. This is not like Radford. They're not going to beat Villanova. Like, that's not going to happen uh, as a 16 seed. But I think that in this 6-11 game against Florida – that uh, I think Mike White, the coach of Florida, said this, that, you know, they're at a disadvantage because really they can't prep as long as they want to because they have to wait and see who it is. And I understand that, you know, you're going to do as much prep as possible, but it's easier when you have three days for one team as opposed to, all right, we don't know who we're playing. We're splitting this all up. And UCLA and St. Bonaventure, you know, are pretty even or pretty close, so it could go either way. But I really believe with St. Bonaventure, they've had a really good season, and this is a team that will ride the momentum against a Florida team that's been really hard to figure out this year. And they're going down to Dallas, so they're really not traveling that far. And they're playing the late game, which is an advantage, I think, that they get the whole day and they get some extra rest. 
But uh, for Florida, are you getting the team that destroyed Kentucky and beat them twice this year? Or are you getting the Florida team that lost to Georgia twice or lost to South Carolina at home? You know, which one are you getting? So I just think that St. Bonaventure, after this win over UCLA, will ride the momentum, I think, and traveling and the short rest, I think that it won't really bother them because they're going to, it'll hit them later in the weekend, I think. But for this one game, I think they can beat Florida. And again, as you mentioned, that game is in Dallas in the South Regional, and it is a night game. Uh, for Florida and for St. Bonaventure in that matchup. Actually, the East Regional, I'm sorry, in Dallas, trying to keep all of that straight. And they got a player back in Courtney Stockard. Uh, did St. Bonaventure, who's been injured, he scored 26 in that game with UCLA. And again, Kevin, just a quick comment from you. Do you buy in, not only in the preparation time, but St. Bonaventure may be at a little bit of an advantage because they got to play a game in the last four or five days, get out there, show what they could do, gain some confidence on a Tuesday night. Florida has been sitting since last Friday night when Arkansas beat them in their opening game of the SEC tournament. Is that an advantage also for St. Bonaventure that they played a game midweek and started in maybe a little hot in the game in Dallas because of it? I think so. I mean, I always think that Again, like a team that is good enough to be in the tournament field as an at-large that isn't a 16 seed, I don't see why not, you know. And I don't think Florida beats them because St. Bonaventure was tired. I think Florida beats them because just Florida be better than them. You know, that's kind of the way I look at it. That I don't think it goes to, well, they're tired at this point. You know, St. Bonaventure's not playing their third game in three days. You know, that's not the case. They're, you know, they're having a day off in between and I think that even though they have a bit of travel, these guys are still young and they're still, you know, gonna be excited and you know, you don't really have the nerves, I guess, playing that first game. You've already gotten that out of the way with Florida, you know, is gonna have probably some nerves going into this game uh against St. Bonaventure. So I'm just gonna go with the Bonnies. I think that they'll put up a good performance uh coming up against Florida. Love that. Want to tell you a little bit later on in the show, we're going to be joined by JT The Brick, the host of the JT The Brick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Love his insight. JT is based in Las Vegas. He'll have a couple of upset predictions in his Final Four, and I want to get the feel from him. He's there every year for the uh, the craziness that goes on in Vegas. So JT Brick a little bit later on here in the show. And hey, uh, it's time to talk to you about a boatload of money that you can make betting this weekend and doing so with MyBookie.ag. If you haven't checked these guys out, it's the perfect time to get in on the action with the madness of March that is going on. Score big with College Hoops and MyBookie.ag. If you're sick and tired of getting the runaround, uh, when you ask for a payout, you can go to MyBookie.ag and they pay fast. They pay quickly without any hassles. Don't waste your time betting anywhere else. And MyBookie.ag will match your first deposit with a 50% bonus so take advantage of that offer. Just use the promo code 3DOG. For us here at 3DOG Thursday, use that promo code 3DOG. 50% bonus with MyBookie.ag. You can even enter their chance to win in their million-dollar bracket challenge. Again, don't waste your time betting anywhere else. You can have in-game betting and all of it at MyBookie.ag. Remember that promo code 3DOG at MyBookie.ag and take advantage of that. All right, so with that being said... My turn here for an underdog, and I saw this team, and maybe I'm biased, Kevin. Maybe you're going to have to slap me uh, figuratively here on Three Dog Thursday, but I saw the Wright State Raiders now uh, roughly 10 days ago at Motor City Madness in Detroit, the Horizon League Championship. They won the championship, defeating Cleveland State for the automatic bid on the Tuesday night of, uh, of championship week. 
Wright State will play Tennessee now as a 14 seed. Wright State uh, coming in again off the automatic bid. Tennessee, the runners-up in the SEC title game, playing the championship game and losing to Kentucky. Had a great regular season. Uh, This is an early matchup in Dallas. And here we go again with when you're one of the first games, you you don't oftentimes, you're not as ready, especially for the more known, the Power 5 team. You're maybe not as ready as the upstart team that's got something to prove, has got a chip on their shoulder. So this game will be played at 11.40 local time, central time in Dallas, 12.40 Eastern time as one of the first games in the tournament on Thursday. And Kevin, I like the freshman loud and love, the big man uh, down low. I know Tennessee has got Admiral Schofield, has got some, has got some firepower. I, I, Wright State can hang in, and if not win this game, and I will take the 12 points with Wright State in the matchup here. This is your chance to call me crazy on Wright State being able to hang in. Is Tennessee going to roll here or what in this South Regional matchup in Dallas? I mean, honestly, past Kansas, and Villanova and Duke and teams like that, I can't say anybody's going to roll. Like I, I just can't do it. That Once you get past the, the one or the two seeds, I can't really see three seeds, especially Tennessee, who was really good in the regular season. They, they weren't predicted to do very well this year in the SEC. They tied with Auburn for the top spot in the conference, and they had a bit of a disappointing ending in the SEC tournament against Kentucky. It's a lot of points to lay. It really is. And, you know, maybe Wright State caught a break by catching Cleveland State in the Horizon title game, you know, and they weren't able to get one of the better teams in that conference. But, you know, I I still think that that's a lot of points there to lay where this is not really a tournament-tested team in Tennessee. And I know it's college basketball, and they have so much turnover in all these teams, but we really haven't seen Tennessee in this kind of spot that they are a team to beat or a team to look out for in uh, the NCAA tournament in a while. So, you know, I, I don't I don't love it either way, love it or hate it, but uh, but I could see where Wright State maybe hangs around. All right, and, you know, you mentioned that. Bruce Pearl had Tennessee in as a favored team, as a, as a co-SEC champion team back in 2008, so it's been 10 years since they've been in this spot. Rick Barnes, a lot of tournament experience. Again, the Wright State coach, Scott Nagy, has a former Division II championship at South Dakota State. He brought South Dakota State into Division One. They've been in the NCAA tournament three previous times. The Jack Roberts of South Dakota State with him as the coach. Now, two years later, he's there with Wright State out of Dayton, Ohio. Let's see if they can hang in on Thursday afternoon in that matchup. And again, you may be hearing us. I'll say this as the show goes on. We do this every week. You may be hearing us later on Thursday. You may be hearing us on Friday morning uh, with all the first round games unfolding. You may already know how how well we did with St. Bonaventure and with Wright State on Thursday uh, as we debut the show and get ready for 32 games on Thursday and Friday. So as Three Dog Thursday continues, another Thursday underdog from you, Kevin Rogers, what do you think? I'm going to remain in the Atlantic 10 and go with Davidson. They're facing Kentucky and Boise, and obviously, you know, the travel is going to affect both teams. I mean, pretty much unless you're Gonzaga, you know, the travel is going to affect everybody going to Boise. And, you know, Kentucky is a team that won the SEC tournament again, and we know how good they are. I don't know if this is one of John Calipari's better teams or not, but I felt like they had their ups and downs in SEC play. But I look at Davidson, and it's kind of like the St. Bonaventure argument a little bit, that Davidson, that St. Bonaventure belonged in the tournament, but Davidson was not probably going to get in if they didn't get the automatic bid to win the Atlantic 10. And I just think that they're going to have some momentum where, how do you not, 
Kentucky is like Duke or like Alabama football or like you face LeBron, you're, you're going to get the best effort facing a team like Kentucky. And I really don't think you'll have a letdown necessarily if you lose this game. It's just because Kentucky outplayed you. I don't think that that Davidson's not going to be ready. Bob McKillop, who's the longtime coach of Davidson, remember he had Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Steph Curry's not on the team anymore. But, uh, you know, he doesn't have a guy like that anymore. But he's taken Davidson before, far in the tournament. You know, this was a team that was in the, uh, the Southern Conference that moved up to the Atlantic 10, one of these tools we talked about that, you know, has made that move. Butler did it twice, actually. They moved up. Wichita State's moved up. So I think that this uh, Davidson team, They've won eight of nine. Their only loss came in triple overtime to St. Bonaventure. And even though Kentucky's won seven of eight, they still have not been a great ATS team in the tournament. Three, seven, and two against the spread their last 12 in the NCAA tournament. Mm. So I'm going to take a shot there with the, the Wildcats of Davidson. Not the Kentucky Wildcats, but the Davidson Wildcats. That got, will be tough on the broadcast. Yes, like it will. Does the game. Well, the good news is you can just crutch on what is what a great play by the Wildcats. And you're right either way right. on that. You know that, and I know that, doing the play-by-play. And as for Davidson, uh, Peyton Aldridge, 22 points a game as a forward here. And they have another great name uh, at goal. Guard. I, lo- I love when we start getting used to these new teams and different names. John Axel Gunmanson is the kid's name who averages about 10 or 11 points and about five assists a game as a guard. This is a scary game for Kentucky. They played great in St. Louis. They shot great in St. Louis. And the two easy wins, and it was really an easy win in the championship game Sunday, two easy wins with Alabama and Tennessee. They shot great. They played great. I am assuming, and I think as as you are uh, here, they're going to travel to Boise and they're maybe not going to be as ready to go uh, in this matchup. And I'm going to agree with Kevin Rogers. I like Davidson in a potential 12-5 upset. It seems like every year that a 12 beats a 5, and some in some years it's a multiple of, of a couple of 12 seeds. I remember speaking of that 08 tournament, uh, I was in the first round uh, brackets, plural, uh, in Tampa, where two 12s and a 13 actually won on the same floor on the same day. Wait, hold day. on, hold on, hold on. San Diego was one of them, right? That's correct. San Diego was one of them. Uh, Western Kentucky was one of them. And Siena was another one. Two 12s and a 13 won in the same place. And in the words of Howard Cosell, I remember because I was there. I was there and saw it. So 12s can 12s can pull the upsets, and maybe it is Davidson here against uh, Kentucky. And I, I know, look, Calipari has got big physical athletes. Davidson not as used to that in the Atlantic 10. Let's see, though. Throw the ball up, and let's see. You and I agree on Davidson Wildcats plus the five with a shot at the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, in this matchup. So, yeah, there there always seem to be upsets. Let's see if we can figure those out. Kevin, stand by. As I mentioned, straight ahead, it's going to be our pleasure to bring in JT the Brick from Fox Sports Radio. He'll give us some insight on Three Dog Thursday with some upsets, give us kind of the Vegas feel and flair. That's coming straight ahead. Kevin is back with a Friday underdog. I am as well later on in the show as we continue. Oh, it's the mayhem of March. We can't wait for it to all get underway as part of Three Dog Thursday. Stay with us. Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by VoodooChef.com. And for the mayhem of March, their barbecue bundle, four outstanding sauces, three of their tremendous seasonings, a 25% savings with this offer. Go to VoodooChef.com for the barbecue bundle. VoodooChef.com. 
Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Okay, I've been looking forward to this for many reasons because I have uh, filled in for this man previous broadcast lives on Fox Sports Radio. He's got great insight. He's got great passion. Bring it with JT The Brick from Fox Sports Radio, the JT The Brick Show with Tom Looney heard weeknights. Plus, JT is in like the epicenter of wagering legally on the NCAA tournament in Las Vegas. Good to be with you. And the madness and the mayhem of March is about to unfold here over the next few days. Are you as pumped as I am? TJ, great talking to you. I am fired up. I love I love this time of year. I embrace the brackets. I love the passion of this tournament. Uh, we've had an FBI scandal looking down at the NCAA. We've had drama with Sean Miller. We've had a lot of big issues going on. But once this tournament gets going, it's probably the essence of what sports is all about for three weeks. And yes, I'm, I'm living in Vegas. I'm in Vegas where I call it the fraternal order of the men of khaki pants. Uh, <laughs> men from all over America come to Las Vegas to eat steak, to uh, get bottle service, uh, to go to uh, nightclubs, wink, wink, and other types of clubs and watch college uh, p- uh, basketball. Yes. Well, and, and, and go to the golf course uh, where the, yes. that price is gouged and go to the hotels where that is gouged. I have been there on one occasion for the Sweet 16 weekend. I have never been there for the first two days coming Thursday and Friday. For the audience that is out there, I, 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 I've heard it described many different ways. I mean, you used to trade stock on the floor of the stock exchange. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's some third world countries when the relief supplies show up on the trucks. I mean, how do you describe the sports books and Vegas on Thursday and Friday of the first two days of the NCAA tournament? How would you describe it? Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the essence of sports insanity and gaming and gambling. It's the best two days in all of sports. It's, it's ten times better than the Super Bowl because you can bet, if you do bet on every game, you can now in-game bet. Remember, that's the big change that's happened here over the last five, six years is you can bet during the game. So you could have a game that could be a 16-point spread. It could be an eight-point game, and you know there's six minutes to go, and you can get into another bet live during that game. And it's just amazing to see a sports book. It's amazing to see a sports book that's packed, Mandalay Bay, the MGM, the Bellagio, Aria, wherever you're going to be, and to see the whole sports book explode on a make or a miss because everybody's got action. That's the cool part of this. When you, when you watch an NBA game, if you're in a sports book for a football game, there are a lot of fans who aren't betting a certain game. They're just not into it. I'm not going to bet the Titans maybe in the Jaguar game, but I'm going to bet the the, the Denver Broncos and the Raiders. Well, what's different about March Madness is everybody's got a bet on every single game, either the total, the over-under, whatever it is. So it's a thing where you need your bankroll, you got to be ready to go, and your head's on a swivel. I love it. JT the Brick with me for just a few minutes uh, here as part of Three Dog Thursday trying to come up with an upset or two. So you have been scanning the brackets. You've been talking about it on your show Give me one or two that stand out. I mean, we don't consider the 8-9 game to really be an upset, but from 10 seeds and beyond, do you have one that is glaring off the page or maybe a couple of them watch out for this upset-minded double-digit seed? What do you think? 
Yeah, I got, you know, I like Providence to win right out of the gate and uh, taking a look at some of these other regions. You know, the big region where, where, where I'm really going in is you know, the Duke, Michigan State, Kansas region. Mm. I'm going to go with Duke to get out of that. I really think that Duke is going to get going. I don't, I, I'm going with a lot of chalk early in this tournament just to get right to uh, the fun of this. I'm going with Gonzaga to get pretty far. I'm obviously going with Texas Tech uh, to get to the Elite Eight. Uh, I, yeah, I think Texas Tech with their coaching staff and, and their situation is a really good team. I'm going to go with them to get to the Elite Eight. I like them a lot. Uh, this, I don't, again, I'm going with a lot of uh, – I like Nevada – to get to the Sweet 16. Okay. I, I watched Nevada play a, a bunch this year. I think Eric Musselman will have that team ready to go. So here's after a question. If I, if I can interject, you just started to mention yep. it. You were in Vegas, Mountain West Tournament. Why did San Diego State not just beat them, but wipe them out? What happened to Nevada in that semifinal game? Yeah, the, the game was over in five minutes. Nevada played well in that tournament, and to get to the semifinal game and then I'm not going to say that they checked out. San Diego uh, obviously had to win that game, San Diego State, to get into the tournament. It was going to be a one-bid conference, and San Diego State played that game like it was a Final Four game. They just mm. came out. They hit everything, and Nevada just got ice cold out of the gate. But, you know, a lot of teams lose in their conference tournament, and they shut it down, and they're ready to play. I think Nevada will be one of those teams. And then – you know, I, I'm really concerned, TJ, about Virginia losing their sixth man of the year and losing a player that averages close to 10 points a game because that team is not as deep as people think. And uh, I have Virginia getting to the Final Four, but I don't have them going any farther after that. I also really like, and I looked at this, you know, when you get to the essence of this tournament, you got to think of a team that can go big and play great the entire time. And I've been a Villanova guy. I've been a Villanova guy all year long. I think their bracket is easier than all the other brackets. I think they're going to have cruise control into the Elite Eight, and that's when they're going to have to really put their head down, and I think they're going to win the tournament. I also think that Arizona is going to beat Kentucky. That's another big game that I have. And uh, I I have North Carolina beating Gonzaga to get to the... Uh, final four and once they get there i have uh, villanova beating north carolina in the national championship okay so game. that would you would have carolina in the championship game three years in a row that would be the yes. the uh sequel to the amazing finish in houston two years ago where chris jenkins hit the winning shot for villanova and you're hitting on a theme here as we talk with jt the brick hall of fame caliber coaches whether you're talking about jay wright or roy williams you were mentioning before shashevsky and duke i mean how about again in that midwest bracket you've got self Shashevsky, Izzo, coaches that have been there before. It's not everything, but JT, it's important this time of year, yes? Absolutely. Coaching and point guard play, I think, is the, is the most important aspects of the tournament. No doubt about it is the health of a team, the ability of a team to have backcourt leadership and then pretty good coaching there. And you know, Izzo's got a, a terrible track record against Shashevsky. Terrible, even though he's beat him in the tournament, but I think he's 1-11 in his last 12, something like that. It's just incredible what Coach K can do. That's really a, a big spot for a lot of people in the bracket. I think the big spot for a lot of people in this bracket are going to be 
Uh, where do you have North Carolina going out? Do you have them beating Gonzaga, or do you have them uh, losing at that point in time? Do you think Virginia can get to the Final Four? Uh, a lot of people do. This is their year. I believe in Virginia to the Final Four. I don't believe in them after that. And then another big thing, which I think is very important, it's Xavier Cincinnati storyline. I'll ask you, who do you like going farther, <laughs> Xavier or Cincinnati? I'm going Cincinnati Interesting. Uh, to get all the way to the Elite Eight, and I got a Xavier getting knocked out before they get to the well, Final Well, Xavier four. is good, and again, in that city, that is a holy war between those two programs. And Cincinnati, Mr. Brick, may have trouble with Georgia State. Your friend TJ here called the Sun Belt Championship game that Georgia State won Sunday on yep. national radio. I'm not saying they will win. I'm saying they may give Cincinnati some problems in that afternoon game, Friday afternoon in Nashville, 15 against a two. But yeah, I could see the Bearcats in the Elite Eight game with Virginia uh, very easily. I could see Xavier in the Sweet 16, but... Uh, again, I like North Carolina and Roy Williams uh, like you do as well. There's one more game that also intrigues me. And I, again, I'm just giving you a tip for the JT The Brick Show. Wright State. And again, I may be biased because I saw them a week and a half ago in the Horizon League Championship game in Detroit. Wright State out of Dayton, Ohio, playing Tennessee. That's an early game. Wright State's got an NBA caliber big kid, Loudon Love, a red shirt freshman, 6'8", great feet, great hands. Tennessee lost in the SEC title game. This is this is a game that could be a dangerous game. Wright State may shoot it well. Tennessee could have some problems in the 314 game. JT, the bottom line is this is why we love this time of year, because Wright State and Georgia State and all the, you know, Cal State, Fullerton, all these programs, they get a shot, right? That's what makes this tournament great one more time, right? Yeah, it's it's the best part about it, TJ, because there's a shot. There's a chance. A lot of these uh, big underdogs and low seeds, the goal is just to get to halftime. Get to halftime with a manageable score. Get to halftime with a reason to be positive and be up to, be down to, and then just race to the end of that game. Get a good team in foul trouble. Get a good team to feel that pressure, as my uh, longtime partner Tom Looney says, with the <laughs> Bucknells of the world, the Triple Bs against Kansas. Put Kansas in a position where Bill Self knows that the entire alumni base of Rock Chalk Jayhawk is sweating it out with under five minutes to go, and all of a sudden that basket looks really difficult, and you're nervous to drive, and you're nervous to foul again, and you just know that if your 12 seed, a 13 seed, a 14 seed is in your face with nothing to lose, that a big-time program can choke. There's lo- I don't like to use the C word, the choke word. I use it about five times a year, but it definitely happens in the NCAA tournament because elite schools Great schools really feel the pressure this time of year. I, last, I'll, I'll leave you on this note. I had Kelvin Sampson on, the head coach of Houston, last night, and he said something unbelievable that went right through me. I said, Coach, you know, your goals, obviously you want to win, but just tell me about this. You've been doing it for a long time. He says, JT, this is just fun from here on out. He goes, I got my team this far. I believe they're a sixth seed. Yep. And he goes, it's about enjoying it at this point in time. Only one team's going to win this. It's about the pressure of getting to the tournament. Once you get to the tournament, if you're a team like Houston, if you're a seed from six, 
to 12. You're there to have a good time, experience of what it's all about. Your team isn't going to be defined on a win or a loss in the tournament. It's about getting there. So let's see the teams that can handle the pressure most. I like Jay Wright. Uh, I think they could have been a dynasty with the senior class. I think the senior backcourt, I think this team will get it done. And Champagne Supernova, Villanova, <laughs> will be your national champion. He's JT the Brick with Tom Looney weeknights on Fox Sports Radio. He's been with us here as part of Three Dog Thursday. I always love talking with you, picking your brain. I'll be headed to San Antonio to see the mayhem of the Final Four. I know you're in and around all those big events as well. Listen, thank you. It was a treat to have you here. I appreciate it. Absolutely my pleasure. Love coming on with you. I'll talk to you again soon and hope everybody enjoys this. It's going to be a great couple of weeks. We do continue on one more time back in with me. From VegasInsider.com, senior handicapper Kevin Rogers, and we're ready for some more upsets. Uh, For Friday's games in particular, you and I have each taken a pair of Thursday underdogs simply to cover, if not win, in the mayhem of 32 games in uh, upcoming two days of, of time period. Kevin, I didn't ask you this in the opening segment, but I, I know I know what my routine is, especially early in the day. And, and again, uh, you and I kind of keep different hours, not aren't necessarily uh, at the office the entire time with the work that we do. How many screens will you have up with four games essentially going at once throughout the day, Thursday, Friday? How many screens are you going to have going? Are you going to have four? Are you going to stick with like two and flip back and forth? What are you going to do? Well, I'll, I'll just lay it out for you what's going to happen. That uh, At the offices of Vegas Insider, we have three televisions, so I'll be there tomorrow, and we'll have three TVs on, but then I'm leaving because I'm going to be on the broadcast for University of Miami and Loyola Chicago. i got to go to the studio, so okay. we'll have two TVs there, and then whenever I get home, we'll just have the one, and that's it, and I just flip. And right. you know Back what the good forth. part is? You have the scroll at the top with with the scores of the games, and it tells you what <laughs> network it's on. So you can just like go, okay, TNT, go there, go to TBS, go there. So really, I just do that, and it's fine. Like it really is. That's how I watch the NBA league pass. I have one TV in there, and you know what? It's totally fine. I can just flip back and forth. I don't need the overload. That's right. Well, and, and it's harder. I mean, in football, they're taking stoppages all the time. You know this, and the audience knows this. In between plays, it's easier to keep up with six or seven games that are going on on a college Saturday or an NFL Sunday. In basketball, the action's continuous. It is tough to watch three screens at once and keep up with it. And I'll say this, too. This is always fascinating with that March Madness app, which is phenomenal. On your phone, on your iPad, on the computer desktop, it is a little delayed. Kevin, I know you know what I'm talking about. It's usually about 30 or 45 seconds delayed or maybe even more. They do that on purpose in the streaming service. And so you can be, there's a close game and you're seeing the score up there on your screen and you know, okay, well, wait a minute. How did the score get like that? I flip back over to the app and now I can watch it as if it's live because it's about 30 seconds behind to see how that score got that way. Who hit a big three? Who hit a big shot? So it's fun to mess with it. And again, 32 games in uh, in two days to try to sort through and watch all the action and the upsets and try to figure them out. We should make mention, too, from the first segment, Villanova was also a 12 seed in the, uh, in the 08 first and second round in Tampa. Villanova 
Western Kentucky, San Diego, and Siena all won as 12 or 13 seeds on the same day in the same topsy-turvy region. It was crazy. So I don't know if it's going to be that that nuts 10 years later in the opening round, but let's look for it. Let's see what happens. So, Kevin, we're going to move on to the Friday games. Uh, where do you want to begin for Three Dog Thursday purposes with a possible double-digit seed underdog covering, if not outright winning? Go ahead, sir. I'm going to go with the New Mexico State Aggies out of the Western Athletic Conference. I'm sure with all the changes with the WAC, people can't name more than two teams in that conference anymore. You know, you have Kansas City and Grand Canyon, who Dan Marley coaches, and <laughs> all these other schools that really you know no one knows about. But New Mexico State's kind of been the top team the last few years in the, that conference, and they actually have, I think, an advantage coming into this not only this game, but also this weekend, they're traveling to San Diego where the other three teams, you know, their opponent Clemson and the other two teams, whoever the winner of that game is against the winner of Auburn and College of Charleston, all got to come from the East Coast. So New Mexico State is a very short trip to San Diego for this game, and they play late, which is an advantage for them that they don't have really a time change necessarily to worry about where Clemson's playing late at night. And, you know, Clemson's a team that had a lot of improvements this year in the ACC, but New Mexico State is a team that beat Miami, actually, back in Hawaii. They also beat Davidson. They did lose to USC in the title game, and USC, even though they did not make the tournament, they still are in the NIT and still a very good team. They're still very good teams in the NIT, you know, so you can't, we can't look at them and say, oh, well, they're in the NIT. There's plenty of teams in the NIT that could knock out 30 teams in the NCAA tournament. So, uh, you know, I look at New Mexico State, that just, I think the situation with them, that Auburn, who was embarrassed by Alabama in the SEC tournament and kind of their first time in a long time in the NCAA tournament, that maybe if uh, if New Mexico State can beat Clemson in the first round, I think they could beat Auburn. And you know what, too? College of Charleston is no slouch either, that they came back and they beat Northeastern to win the Colonial, that maybe they could knock off Auburn. I just think that the location is an advantage from Mexico State. This is a team that has a lot of transfers on it. They're you know they're a little bit older, and they've had some problems in the tournament the last few years that they they've been knocked out early and been blown out. I think that this is a good spot for them against a team. It's a manageable spot that they're not facing a powerhouse necessarily. I think they have more than a good chance to beat Clemson and advance to the Sweet 16 eventually. How about that? All right, so you're going to double dip. You're going to take New Mexico State plus the five points to win the game with Clemson. Zach Lofton is the best player. One of those transfers you mentioned for the Aggies at 20 points per game as a forward, guard forward, uh, in the matchup with Clemson. And then you like them all the way to advance out of the weekend. They may be playing a bracket buster. They may be playing College of Charleston with the way you were laying that out against Auburn, but you even would like them potentially New Mexico State against Auburn in the game on the weekend to come out of the weekend real quick, right? Yeah, why not? Yeah, I could see them doing it. And uh, again, Auburn's a team that down the stretch, they really weren't that great, that they built up their resume early on. And, and Bruce Pearl did a fantastic job with this team. They had some injuries and some other things, but he did a great job. And just because you lose early doesn't mean you did a bad job. You know, if Auburn or Tennessee lose early in the NCAA tournament, it doesn't mean their season's a bust. They still have a great season. I always consider it, your season's a bust if you're Virginia and you lose early. Or if you're Villanova and you lose early. Then your season went down the drain. But some of these other teams, they weren't expected to do much. You know, you got to the tournament. If you win one or two games and lose, you still had a good season. 
And Auburn, obviously, co-SEC champs. Let's see how they do uh, in that matchup. Uh, All right, so I'm going to go also with a Friday team. This will be an earlier game, and I I have been impressed in watching the last two or three weeks, the Providence Friars. Their matchup in the West Regional, but in Charlotte, North Carolina, is against Texas A&M. Again, an early game on Friday. And the disclaimer again, you may be listening throughout these these conversations we're having. You may already know what has happened in the Providence-Texas A&M game because it's an early Friday game. But I, I like the Friars here with Rodney Bullock, uh, Keyron Cartwright. They were fantastic at Madison Square Garden with the upsets of Xavier um, and, and Creighton to get into the championship game and had Villanova on the ropes late in that game. And Ed Cooley even ripped his pants trying to get in the defensive stand. How about the how about the video and the photos of Ed Cooley having to hang a couple of Gatorade towels on his backside because he had ripped the, the inseam of his pants, and uh, we were seeing a lot more than we needed to see of Ed Cooley. Uh, so. Uh, look, that guy can coach. Providence as a 10 seed. I like them in this situation with Texas A&M. They're in the bracket with North Carolina in the next round. I like the Friars to win. They they won some big games. They beat Xavier and they beat Villanova down the stretch of the regular season, beat Xavier again in the conference tournament. They can play. Uh, Kieran Cartwright is a, is a troublemaking, penetrating guard that can score I like them in this matchup as a 10 seed with Texas A&M, and North Carolina better be careful with them as well in the next round. I know it's in Charlotte. It's a home-away-from-home game for Carolina that would be coming on the weekend on Sunday, but I'm going to take Providence as a 10 seed that can knock Carolina out as well. I'm going to take them as an underdog all the way through to the round of 32 to make the second weekend. So you and I are going to go with a couple of different teams, one from the WAC and one from the Big East, to maybe make... Uh, some noise and let and let's say this uh, say something about the big east here i mean the decision that those seven schools made the catholic seven as they're known they basically said to the other members of the big east we're, we're getting rid of all of you and we're keeping the name all of you that play football you go do something else we're keeping the big the big east name we're going to play basketball villanova st john seton hall providence uh, I'm probably going to leave one out. Marquette, DePaul, uh, Georgetown. Those are the those are the seven that said we're going to go find three other teams and we're going to be a strong basketball league. And they did this six or seven years ago, uh, actually about six years ago now. They added Creighton, Butler, and Xavier. And hmm, Creighton, Butler, and Xavier are in the are in the NCAA tournament. Kevin, you know this almost every year. The Big East got six teams in this year, five at large. Those guys clearly made the right decision at this point to go break off and be a basketball conference, and the Big East is strong. Give me a quick thought here about the Big East. Well, and also, too, that goes back to the point in the last segment about, you know, Creighton was in the Missouri Valley for a long time. They were a perennial right. tournament team. You know, Xavier in the Atlantic 10, perennial tournament team, and Butler, who bounced from the horizon yep. to the Atlantic 10 for about a year or so with Brad Stevens, and then they went to the Big East and they took the Celtics job that, uh, yeah, those are all very strong schools, and you know what? They gambled, and they were right, that the Big East shouldn't have died. The Big East was fine, and you know what? When you look at some of the other schools that, that left, or, you know, there were football schools went to the American. I know that, you know, you're you're a big American fan, yep. but uh, the Big East is still, you know, they, they basically have all their games on one network, in a sense, on Fox Sports 1. They're the exclusive home of, you know, Big East basketball, and I understand none of their games are on ESPN anymore, but still, the Big East found a way to really tighten up the conference. And I think that's good that you don't have the, you know, a 16 team conference that we have and some of these 15, 16, 14 teams that just gets too big. At least the Big East can kind of track everybody right now. And 
you know, it, it's worked out for them. And for the schools like Villanova and Georgetown and St. John's and Providence and Marquette, DePaul, these are the seven again, uh, and Seton Hall, they were never playing football. They were never going to be playing football. And when they were suddenly handed in the in the Big East scenario, when they were handed the idea of you've got to go play East Carolina in basketball, you've got to go play Tulane in basketball, who's terrible every year. You've got to go play USF in Tampa, where I am, who's terrible every year in basketball because they are playing football. That's one of the reasons why they wanted to break off. And all I'm pointing out is obvious, obvious point. They made the right move with the with the school that they have and let's see what kind of damage they do in the postseason here Villanova won a championship two years ago Xavier's one of the number one seeds uh, let's see if they if they pull some upsets and do some damage again this year in the tournament but certainly uh, certainly would appear that way at this point all right um, I think we've done an awful lot of talking here on three dog Thursday are you ready for an awful lot of basket basketball coming up over the next Thursday and Friday again 30 two games that are going to be played Thursday and Friday and it's what 47 games total by the time we get out of the weekend it is going to be a blur Kevin and I'm excited to see it all unfold like we've been mentioning from Boise Idaho to Charlotte North Carolina uh, and, and San Diego California to Pittsburgh Pennsylvania and everywhere in between we're ready to watch all of this right yeah, it should be very fun, and you know, like I said, maybe we'll get an upset or two, and uh, we should have a lot of good games, hopefully, in the next few weeks. Yeah, and we should make mention, too, that VegasInsider.com, whether you're listening to us in advance of the games, listening to us Thursday, whether you listen to us even Friday morning before some of the upsets, they can find out all the great information on all of these games throughout the weekend at VegasInsider.com, correct, sir? Yeah, and you can get uh, brackets there, printable brackets as well, you want to print them up and you want to be in a pool with your friends, you can just print those up there and, and fill them out. Also, we have our bracket breakdown where you can check out all the matchups with the straight-up records, ATS records over unders, all of that, betting trends for every game. You can check those out for each of the matchups, not only throughout the first two days, but throughout the entire tournament. And also, even though we have college basketball, that's in the forefront right now, NBA, NHL, baseball starts in a few weeks, so we still have things going on Besides college basketball, you check us out at VegasInsider.com and also on Twitter at TwitVI. Yes, indeed. Follow this man at VI Rogers throughout the weekend and the mayhem of March. Uh, you can also follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. Don't forget to sponsor MyBookie.ag. And that promo code is Three Dog for the great savings, the 50% off bonus for this weekend at MyBookie.ag. Check that out as well. Uh, Kevin, great job. My thanks also to JT the Brick from Fox Sports Radio giving us some underdog predictions. Kevin, good luck with Davidson, St. Bonaventure, and New Mexico State to pull your upsets. I'm looking, or at least keep it close, I'm looking for Wright State. I agreed with you on Davidson against Kentucky, and I like Providence to win outright against Texas A&M. Those are our underdog predictions for the weekend. My friend, great job. Thank you. Enjoy the tournament. I look forward to talking with you about the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8. That'll be coming next week on the show for now a blur of games enjoy all of it thank you all right tj thank you and that'll do it for this edition of three dog thursday again enjoy the avalanche of games coming this weekend we'll talk to you next week on the only digital radio show devoted to underdogs happy march it's three dog thursday this is a crush performance quick fix on radio influence 
I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We are joined by Chris Maragos, safety and special teams captain for the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, anybody can line up and run or anybody can line up and, you know, just go out there and just, you know, think you can go through a couple drills. But the reality of it is that this game isn't based on drills or, you know, a running competition or anything like that. You know, it's, um, it, you know, it's built upon, you know, guys who have instincts and, and are willing to understand how to break down film or throughout the game to figure out what your opponent's doing or little tendencies that they might have so that in the fourth quarter after you get a, a really good idea of what he's trying to do against you all game, you can finally make that play to, to beat him, you know, and, and, and to steal the game for your team or whatever it might be. So, you know, the scouting combine is really important to showcase, you know, your raw skills. But there's so much more that goes into it, and I think um, really a lot of the um, a lot of the interviews, you know, that the teams are going to do with these athletes, you know, make a really big difference, you know, and, and can help. Crush performance with the Crusher Jeff Crushell can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.